When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you today. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and bring you back safely. The theme, the stories in this episode is giants, and we have two giantish people sharing some huge stories, Sarah Brady and Tim Lowry. On Monday, it was raining. Yesterday, it was raining. It rained last night, but by mid-morning, it was just a little drizzle, some light, delicate lady rain. My dog Mo had had a couple of short walks the last couple of days because even she is not a fan of walking in the rain for long. And she was in need of a good walk, if you know what I mean. I decided to revisit a trail we used to walk a lot when she was a puppy. The woods are owned by the town and the waterworks once had the headquarters there and the town's cesspools and leech fields were once there. It's a place of magic, believe it or not, and peace with Lion Brook cutting through. Rocks are strewn everywhere, and there are young trees and old trees. It always feels that this road is like an entrance to this magical place. The road used to be a mess, but they graveled it, and Mo loves to run up and down that section. Then you go past the old filled cesspools, which looks like a nice field now, and into the woods. The water was running hard. You could see flooded areas, and what are usually mere trickles of a stream running in torrents. Trees recently fallen crossed Lionbrook, and the moss was bright green after the rain, as were the wide-leafed plants growing in abundance next to the streams. You could see where the water had been at its highest point, leaves washed away, sticks caught in tree roots and between stones. In one place, I could see where the bank had been washed away, newly revealed stones hanging almost in thin air from the soil. Mo was excited to be out and running all over the place, dashing up to me, knocking my leg, telling me to hurry as I took photographs, only with my phone on this trip. Deeper we went, past small rocks which lay in a circle like a fairy ring, boulders cracked in half hundreds of years ago, allowing a path to run through it. As I leant down to get a shot of some of the cascades, I saw something close to my knee, glistening in the dull light. It looked like a telescope, no, a spyglass, and next to that a pipe of some sort, a really old copper pipe with a flanged end. The water during the rain must have opened up the bank to reveal this treasure. I recently worked with Sarah Brady, who was our first storyteller today, and she is a wonderful human. She was also recently residing and telling stories in the UK. Are you ready for this first giant of a story? Please enjoy Sarah's telling of one of my favourite stories ever, Oscar Wilde's Selfish Giant. Every day, as they came home from school, the children used to go and play in the giant's garden. It was a large, lovely garden with soft green grass. 
Here and there over the grass stood beautiful flowers like stars, and there were twelve peach trees that in the springtime broke out into delicate blossoms of pink and pearl, and in the autumn bore rich fruit. The birds sat on the trees and sang so sweetly that the children used to stop their games in order to listen to them. How happy we are here! they cried to each other. One day the giant came back. He had been to visit his friend, the Cornish ogre, and had stayed with him for seven years. After the seven years were over, he had said all that he had to say, for his conversation was limited, and he determined to return to his own castle. When he arrived, he saw the children playing in his garden. "'What are you doing here?' he cried in a very gruff voice and the children ran away. My own garden is my own garden. Anyone can understand that, and I will allow nobody to play in it but myself. So he built a high wall all round it and put up a notice board. Trespassers will be prosecuted. He was a very selfish giant. The poor children had now nowhere to play. They tried to play on the road, but the road was very dusty and full of hard stones, and they did not like it. They used to wander round the high wall when their lessons were over and talk about the beautiful garden inside. How happy we were there! Then the spring came, and all over the country there were little blossoms and little birds. Only in the garden of the selfish giant it was still winter. The birds did not care to sing in it, as there were no children, and the trees forgot to blossom. Once a beautiful flower put its head out from the grass, but when it saw the notice board it was so sorry for the children that it slipped back into the ground again and went off to sleep. The only people who were pleased were the snow and the frost. Spring has forgotten this garden, they cried, so we will live here all the year round. The snow covered up the grass with her great white cloak, and the frost painted all the trees silver. Then they invited the north wind to stay with them, and he came. He was wrapped in furs, and he roared all day about the garden and blew the chimney pots down. This is a delightful spot, he said. We must ask the hail on a visit. So the hail came. Every day for three hours he rattled on the roof of the castle till he broke most of the slates, and then he ran round and round and round the garden as fast as he could go. He was dressed in grey, and his breath was like ice. I cannot understand why the spring is so late in coming, said the selfish giant as he sat at the window and looked out at his cold white garden. I hope there will be a change in the weather. But the spring never came, nor the summer. The autumn gave golden fruit to every garden, but to the giant's garden she gave none. He is too selfish, she said. So it was always winter there, and the north wind and the hail and the frost and the snow danced about through the trees. One morning the giant was lying awake in bed when he heard some lovely music. 
It sounded so sweet to his ears that he thought it must be the king's musicians passing by. It was really only a little linnet singing outside his window, but it was so long since he had heard a bird sing in his garden that it seemed to him to be the most beautiful music in the world. Then the hail stopped dancing over his head, and the north wind ceased roaring, and a delicious perfume came to him through the open casement. I believe the spring has come at last! And the giant jumped out of bed and looked out. What did he see? He saw a most wonderful sight. Through a little hole in the wall, the children had crept in, and they were sitting in the branches of the trees. In every tree that he could see, there was a little child, and the trees were so glad to have the children back again that they had covered themselves with blossoms and were waving their arms gently above the children's heads. The birds were flying about and twittering with delight, and the flowers were looking up through the green grass and laughing. It was a lovely scene. Only... In one corner, it was still winter. It was the farthest corner of the garden, and in it was standing a little boy. He was so small that he could not reach up to the branches of the tree, and he was wandering all round it, crying bitterly. The poor tree was still quite covered with frost and snow, and the north wind was blowing and roaring above it. "'Climb up, little boy,' said the tree, and bent its branches down as low as it could, but the boy was too tiny. And the giant's heart melted as he looked out. How selfish I have been! Now I know why the spring would not come here. I will put that poor little boy on the top of the tree, and then I will knock down the wall, and my garden shall be the children's playground forever and ever! He was really very sorry for what he had done. So he crept downstairs and opened the front door quite softly and went out into the garden. But when the children saw him, they were so frightened that they all ran away and the garden became winter again. Only the little boy did not run, for his eyes were so full of tears that he did not see the giant coming. And the giant stole up behind him and took him gently in his hand and put him up into the tree. And the tree broke at once into blossom and the birds came and sang on it. And the little boy stretched out his two arms and flung them round the giant's neck and kissed him. And the other children, when they saw that the giant was not wicked any longer, came running back. And with them came the spring. It is your garden now, little children! And the giant took a great axe and knocked down the wall. And when the people were going to market at twelve o'clock, they found the giant playing with the children in the most beautiful garden they had ever seen. All day long they played, and in the evening they came to the giant to bid him goodbye. But where is your little companion, the boy I put into the tree? The giant loved him the best because he had given him a kiss. We don't know. He's gone away. You must tell him to be sure and come here tomorrow. But the children said that they did not know where he lived and had never seen him before, and the giant felt very sad. Every afternoon when school was over, the children came and played with the giant. 
but the little boy whom the giant loved was never seen again. The giant was very kind to all the children, yet he longed for his first little friend and often spoke of him. How I would like to see him! Years went by, and the giant grew very old and feeble. He could not play about any more, so he sat in a huge armchair and watched the children at their games and admired his garden. I have many beautiful flowers, but the children are the most beautiful flowers of all. One winter morning, he looked out of his window as he was dressing. He did not hate the winter now, for he knew that it was merely the spring asleep and that the flowers were resting. Suddenly, he rubbed his eyes in wonder and looked and looked. It certainly was a marvelous sight. In the farthest corner of the garden was a tree quite covered with lovely white blossoms. Its branches were all golden and silver fruit hung down from them. And underneath it stood the boy he had loved. Downstairs ran the giant in great joy and out into the garden. He hastened across the grass and came near to the child. And when he came quite close, his face grew red with anger. Who has dared to wound you? For on the palms of the child's hands were the prints of two nails. And the prints of two nails were on the little feet. Who has dared to wound you? Tell me that I may take my big sword and slay him. Nay, answered the child, but these are the wounds of love. Who are you? A strange awe fell on the giant, and he knelt before the little child. And the child smiled on the giant and said to him, You let me play once in your garden. Today you shall come with me to my garden, which is paradise. And when the children ran in that afternoon, they found the giant lying dead under the tree, all covered with white blossoms. This week's episode sponsor is Muffet's Tuffets. Our tuffets are way above the others. Need something comfortable to sit on? Something a little fluffy on your behind or your feet? Then Miss Muffet's Tuffets are the fluffiest. They come in a range of styles from regal to relaxed, square, circular, cupcake-shaped, apple contoured. Fancy or plain, Miss Muffet has them all. And if you prefer a more solid and firm support, Muffet's Tuffets have those too. Heavy-duty legs, fine legs, spidery legs are all available on most Tuffets. There's no need to sit on a grassy mound either. Miss Muffet has travel Muffets, so the next time you're out reading poetry, eating curds and whey, watching your local elf team playing Quidditch, take your travel Tuffet with you. And if you have gold doubloons to spare, then splurge on the latest flying tuffet. Even the basic flying models come equipped with safety belts. Miss Muffet's tuffets are way better than those box stores. Get yours now and make your friends curdle with jealousy. We have a new review titled Love This. Thank you, Toucan Awesome, for your kind review. And we are so glad you're enjoying the podcast. What about Forkan Awesome? 
too. Thanks for the five stars, the ten hearts, the wonderful words that I am too bashful to read all of them out. I will read some of it. I love this podcast and a few more hearts. Well, we love you too and are thrilled that you're listening. Toucan Awesome of the USA dropped us five stars on a, on a review on Apple Podcasts and did Texan Oki Arky. They said, I love your podcast. It's the best way to end the day. I love mythical things, and this is perfect for letting your imagination run wild. Can you read the original Rumpelstiltskin? Well, Texas Oki Arky, you should come to the East and be a New Englander. It's much easier to say. I'm going to tell, not read Rumpelstiltskin very soon, especially for you. Thank you for your review, both of you. It's very much appreciated. Become a patron for as little as $4 a month while getting some sweet perks and rewards and see if you get a unique fairy tale talent for being a patron. It would be pretty cool. After taking the photograph and checking on where Mo was, right behind me waiting, I pulled the spyglass out of the ground. A spyglass is an old-fashioned word for telescope, but not one necessarily for looking at the stars, one that a pirate would have used back in the day of square sails and... Ahoy there, matey! I brushed the dirt off. You could see pieces of leather falling from it. I used the water from the stream to wash the lens clean, trying not to get the metal any more damp than it was, and dry the whole thing off on my shirt. I tried pulling the pipe out of the ground, but it seemed pretty stuck, although it did turn up so you could look down into it. Surprisingly, there was no earth inside. I put my fingers inside it and poked around. No dirt. I bent down to blow in it, and I thought I heard some noise coming from it. Maybe a mouse had made a home in it. I have to tell you, it's my sister's birthday, and I was thinking about taking a cool photo out in the woods and sending it to her, so she was on my mind. She's the big 4-0, kind of like being 13 for a kid, but 40 is the adult 13. The sound was not a mouse, however, as I listened, but voices, party voices. Now, my sister is a long way away in the north of England, while I'm here in New Hampshire in America. I shouted down the pipe, hello, and I heard my sister say, who said that? I called back, me, your brother Simon. But where are you? She replied. I could hear my nephew and niece and my brother-in-law calling out for me. I'm in New Hampshire, in the woods with Mo. I found this pipe. I told her what was going on. Wait, let me see something. I grabbed the spyglass and opened it out. Looking through it, I could see into the living room of my sister and her family. If I remember properly, she had an antique mirror in her living room and I was seeing her through that, but through the telescope. I lay back down next to the pipe and called out, Look at the mirror! I was still holding the, the telescope to my eye. There was a scream. Apparently they could only see my eye and it was filling up the mirror, so it was quite big. Well, we had a chat together and I wished her a fabulous birthday. Mo climbed on my back and licked my ear as I was laying there. I think she wanted to go for more walking. I was getting wet lying on the ground anyway. So I said goodbye and continued with my walk. What a great way to start the day. And on my sister's birthday too. If I had not come back to do some work and tell you this story, I would have stayed to see if I could have got in touch with more family members. But maybe it's only through the telescope, the spyglass and my sister's mirror. Oh, and by the way, if you want to see photos of the walk, 
that I took, then they're going to be on the Story Story podcast website. Our second storyteller is a fantastic teller. I love what Tim does. Tim Lowry, that is. Our very own human time machine living in Somerville, South Carolina. Not to be confused with Somerville, Massachusetts, where sweet tea is rare indeed. Enjoy Tim's imagining of Jack and the New Ground. Tom and Jack, they's a sitting around the house one day. Their mama was a reading a newspaper. There's an article in that newspaper about the king, how he had new ground he wanted cleared, and he's a hiring workers. She looked up over the top of that paper at them boys, and she said, I wish one of you boys would go hire on with the king and earn us some money. Lord knows we poor as Job's turkey. And Will jumped right up from where he's a sitting. He said, Mama, I'll go work for the king. She said, you a good boy, Will. You a good boy to earn money for us like that. Let me send you with a lunch for your work day. She went and got a sack. She put some hard cheese and some soft bread down in that sack. No, Will, he throwed that sack over his shoulder and he lit out. He went over there to the king's house and struck a bargain with him. The king said he'd pay 10 cents an hour for tree chopping. Well, that's good money. So Will, he got him a good sharp two-bit axe. And he went over there to the new ground is up on top of a mountain. There's all kind of trees that need to be cleared off. He put his sack down underneath the shade tree. He got a good grip on that axe, and he hauled off and took a big chop in the side of an oak tree. And as soon as he did, he just went choir all over. That ever happened to you? You know what going choir is. That's just for no good reason. You just get chills all over. You know what that is. Somebody stepped on the place you're going to be buried someday. And old Will, he left that axe stuck up inside that tree and took off running for home. He come through the front door. He said, Mama, I was over there on the king's new ground. I took one chop in the side of a tree, and I just went choir all over. And Will's mama said, Oh, somebody stepped on the place you're going to be buried someday. You better stay close to the house. And then Tom jumped up, and he said, Ah, oh, Mama, Will's scared of his own shadow. There ain't nothing over there going to hurt you. Let me go. How much a king paying? Ten cents an hour. That's good money. She said, you a good boy, Tom. You a good boy. Help your poor old mama out like that. Let me send you with the lunch for your work day. So she went and got a sack. She put more hard cheese and soft bread down in it. Tom throwed it over his shoulder and he lit out. Well, he come over there to the top of the mountain where all them trees was that the king needed cleared off. And there was his brother's lunch sack laying under a shade tree. He laid his sack next to it. There was the axe stuck up in the side of that oak. He pulled that axe out. He got him a good grip on the handle, and he hauled off and give it a big whack. Now, when you chop trees out in the mountains, you expect to hear an echo, you know, like chop, 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 chop. Instead, Tom heard chop. <laughs> Sounded like something going to gravel your grave. He left that axe stuck up inside that tree. He run right home. He busted through the door. He said, Mama. They is something awful over there on the king's new ground. I took a chop in the side of a tree, and I heard something going, <laughs> sounded like something going to grabble your grave. She said, ooh, we can't have no grave grabbling. You better stay close to the house. And then Jack, he hopped up, and he said, Mama, let me go. She said, Jack, you heard what your brothers was a saying. You might get killed. He said, well, I might not. 
Well, all right, if you want to go, I ain't going to hold you back. But your brother's done packed off all the good food in the house. I'll do the best I can for you. I want you to have a lunch for your work day. She went and fetched a sack. She said, I ain't gotten a good soft bread. Your brother's done took all that off from here. I'm going to have to send you with this old crumbly cornbread. That's all I got. And she didn't have no hard cheese, neither. She said, well, I'll send you with this butter. She'd been churning butter. And there's a big ball of butter had floated up in the top of the churn. She said, I ain't even had time squeezing milk out in this butter, but I'm going to send it with you. And she put it down that sack. Jack thanked his mama, and he throwed that sack over his shoulder, and he lit out. Well, when he come over there to the king's new ground, he seen the axe stuck up in the side of the tree where his brothers had left it there. But their lunch sacks was gone. Something had ate up the cheese, the bread, and the sacks, too. So Jack, he didn't lay his lunch sack down on the ground. Uh-uh. He tied it on his belt. It hung down to one side, and then he pulled that axe out of that tree, and he slipped it down into his belt, and it hung down on the other side like a lumberjack carries his tools. And then, with his hands free, he started climbing right up into the top of that oak tree. He clumb up higher and higher until he is way up to the tippy top of that tree. He figured up there. He could look off to the left and the right, off of either side of that mountain, see what that was making them choir sounds. Well, while he's up there looking, there's a little brown bird come a-flying by, a little Jenny Wren, and it wasn't a-paying attention where it was a-going, probably because it seen a man in the top of a tree where you don't normally see a feller, and it wasn't a-watching what he was doing, and it flew right into the tree trunk and brained itself. Bam! Poor little bird fell back on a tree branch, and it's going... Jack said, Oh, little bird, I didn't mean to make you brain yourself like that. He felt sorry for it. He said, Here, let me help you. He reached in his lunch sack, and he got out that cornbread, and he crumbled it up betwixt his fingers, and he held some in his hand. He said, Here, peck on this. And that bird hopped up into Jack's hand and started pecking on that cornbread, and Jack just closed his hand right up over that bird and stuck that little Jenny Wren down in his shirt pocket. He said, Now you rest there like a little bird nest, and when you get to feeling all right, I'll let you go. Well, he went back to looking off to the left and right, and all of a sudden he heard a big voice down at the bottom of that tree saying, What are you doing up there in my tree like a... Jack looked down on the ground. There's a big old giant, about nine foot tall and nine foot wide, had his big old arms wrapped around the bottom of that tree, and he's trying to shake Jack loose. Jack said, Wait, 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 wait. He said, Now, wait just a minute. He said, I'm cutting these trees for the king. That old giant said, Oh, no, you ain't. I'm going to shake you out of that tree and eat you up. Jack said, No, no, we ain't going to have that. He said, but if uh, you don't like me cutting trees for the king, let's us have a contest. And if you win the contest, you can tear me to pieces. And if I win the contest, I'm going to cut you. That old giant, he wanted to know, what kind of contest we going to have? Jack said, well, let's have us a rock-throwing contest. That giant said, you ain't going to win no rock-throwing contest, you old puny thing. And he run over to the side of a hill and pulled a big old rock up out of the mud. Lord, it's big as a wheelbarrow. And he flung that rock up in the air, and it shot up past the top of the trees, went way up beyond the top of the mountain and up into the clouds. And then it turned, and you could hear that rock a-whistling through the air as it come down, and wham, marred up in the mud about ten foot deep. That old giant looked at Jack up in that tree. He said, you ain't going to throw no rock that high. Jack said, well, um, you big old giant. I'm just little old Jack. You throw the big old rock. Can I throw a little one? That old giant, he said, you throw any rock you want. Jack wrenched in his pocket and pulled out that little brown bird. That giant's too stupid. No difference between a brown bird and a brown rock. Jack said, I'm going to throw this little brown rock right here. 
he throwed that bird up in there, and it flew up and up and up till it's gone. That old giant said, golly, Jack, you throwed a rock so high it ain't never gonna come down. Jack said, yep, that's right. You know what that means? No. I won the contest. You know what's gonna happen now? No. I'm gonna have to kill you. Lay your head down this tree branch. That old giant laid his head across the tree branch. Jack whipped out that axe and chomp, chopped his head right off. Rolled that head over to the king. And the king said, oh, look a there. I was going to give you 10 cents an hour for chopping trees, but I give you $1,000 for every giant's head you bring me. Jack said, $1,000? You got more giants in your land? He said, oh, yeah, that was the baby one. He said, he's got two older brothers. They's twins, and they got two heads on them each. Jack said, $1,000 a head? I'll be back for dinner time. He went right back over there and clumbed back up in that tree and started looking around. Pretty soon, you heard them two boys, them two older brothers of that giant he killed, come running up from the bottom of the mountain. They had two heads each, and all four of them heads was a hollering and yelling, Hey, you get down out of that tree! You get down out of that tree right now! You get down out of that tree! Get down out of that tree! That one giant's head, its voice hadn't changed. It had a real high, squeaky voice like a woman's. They could have sung Shape Note Harmony from the hymn book, except they was heathen. They didn't know nothing about that. Jack said, now, you boys settle down. I'm cutting trees for the king. And if you don't like it, well, we can have ourselves a little contest. And if uh, you win the contest, you can tear me to pieces. But if I win the contest, I'm going to kill you. Them old giants want to know, what kind of contest we going to have? We're going to have a contest. Ooh, a contest. We're going to have a contest. Jack said, let's have us a rock squeezing contest. Well, they want to know how that would work. Jack said, let's see who can squeeze a rock so hard they get milk to run out of it. Well, them giants went to grabbling around and jerking up rocks and smashing them up into gravel and crunching them into sand. They never could get milk to run out of a rock. Jack let themselves work up a sweat, and he said, Watch it here, boys. I'll show you how it's done. He reached in his lunch sack, and he pulled out that ball of butter. It was white and round and smooth, looked like a creek stone. He smashed down on it, and the milk started to ooze twixt his fingers, and them old giants said, Golly, Jack, you a strong man, squeezed milk out of a rock. Jack said, Yep, I won the contest. You know what that means? No, I'm going to have to kill you. Lay your heads across this tree branch. They laid their heads down. Jack whipped out that axe, went chomp, 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 chopped their heads right off, rolled them heads over to the king, and the king gave him $4,000. Well, he had 4000 for them two twins he killed off. He had 1000 from their baby brother. He took $5,000, rolled it up into a roll, and stuck it down into the pocket of the bib of his overalls, and he pulled out for home. And the king called out after him. He said, Jack, you wouldn't want to double your money. Jack said, now, how am I going to do that? He said, well, I didn't want to tell you. I was afraid you'd get scared and run off. But them boys' daddy is over there on my new ground, and he's the meanest giant of them all. He's got five heads on him. Jack said, five heads? thousand dollars each i'd be back for dark he went right over there he grabbed up his axe and started to slamming on the side of a tree and hollering and yelling and carrying on pretty soon he got that old giant's attention he come a running up from the back side of that mountain he come up out of a holler where he's holed up back there he is a hollering and yelling all five of them heads was a cussing every breath suck a bunch of frigid crabbing son of a bitch and jack picked up that axe he said stop that cussing 
That offends me. Your boys was a-cussing at me, and I chopped their heads off. That old giant said, I'll watch my mouths. Jack said, now I'm cutting trees for the king, and if uh, you don't like it, we can have ourselves a little contest. With your boys, I had a rock-throwing contest and a rock-squeezing contest, and they lost. That old giant, he said he didn't want to throw no rocks, and he didn't want to squeeze none. Jack said, well, I was so busy killing your boys, I didn't have time to eat me nothing. How about we have us an eating contest? Well, the giant figured he could win that, because he had five heads on him. He could eat way more than Jack could with his one head. He said, come on, Jack, I'll do the cooking. They went down the backside of that mountain. Ooh, back there in that big dark holler, that giant had him a lair, and he cooked up everything he'd get a hold of. He fried up a whole side of bacon. He cooked a side of beef. They is field peas and English peas and green beans and Irish potatoes and sweet taters and big old hunks of yellow cake and big old jars full of buttermilk. The giant laid all that food out on a big old white cloth. He sat down on one side of the board. Jack sat down on the other. And that giant commenced to raking it in. <laughs> food was a flying every which way. Jack was a sitting across from him with a bowl of soup. <laughs> And what that giant didn't know was Jack had took his empty lunch sack that his mama gave him and tucked it down into his shirt. And every time he'd take a slurp of soup, he'd pour most of it right down in that sack. Pretty soon, that sack was starting to fill up under his shirt, and it was a swelling out, making Jack look like he's getting big and fat. That giant stopped to wipe his five faces. He said, look at there, Jack, look at there. You getting big and fat like Sandy Claus. Pretty soon you're going to be all filled up and you ain't going to be able to eat no more and I'm going to win the contest. Jack said, oh, no, 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 I don't never get full. No, no, if I start to get full, this here is what I do. And he picked up a knife from the table and stuck it in that sack and ripped it open. All that soup went floop and fell out on the floor. And that old giant said, don't it hurt when you stab yourself like that? Jack said, nah, it just pinches like a little bee sting. That old giant said, hang on a minute. He grabbed up a knife, stuck it in his innards, and ripped himself wide open. He staggered round about three times, but before he had hit the ground, Jack had lopped them five heads off, and he went home $10,000 richer. And that was the end of that. Thank you for listening to Story Story Podcast. Show the love, find Sarah Brady and Tim Lowry on the internet and tell them you heard them on the podcast and now you want to hear them tell more stories. You can connect with the podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or me, Simon Brooks, on Instagram at Simon M. Brooks and on Facebook and my website, Simon Brooks Storyteller. The inspiration behind my penship on the fairy tale sponsor was Christina Vincent. Thank you, Christina. The inspiration for the true fairy tales was my walk in the woods with my, my sister's birthday. You can visit the visual candy from the fairy tale sponsor ads on Story Story Podcast Instagram and Facebook page. While you are there, let us know a favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood, like Rumpelstiltskin. Who knows, maybe you will hear them here soon. Oh yes, you will. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or join the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. You'll hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, 
Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court. Once upon a... <coughs> 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 Why is it stuck in my throat?